Ben here from Supercoach Insider, bringing you a, another one of our fantastic series today, bringing you our top 10 forwards, where we've already come up with some nice little conditions. Dylan Moore will not be named, boys, is <laughs> I believe the consensus. Anyone? Consensus? No. Uh, but we are extremely happy to have um, DR, so Supercoach with DR, with us today. How are you today? Excellent, gents. Thanks very, very much for having me on. I've been a fan from afar. You've been doing some wonderful things during the preseason and uh, very exciting to uh, pop my Supercoach Insider cherry, if you'll say. So uh, looking forward to this one, boys. But uh, yeah, not easy, that sort of 6 to 10 range for me. And you were definitely headhunted for the forwards because I was like, hey, Dunkley has to be number one. I mean, oh, is he number one for Chris? Who knows? Um, Basel, we definitely... <laughs> <laughs> Cherry picked you Spoiler for uh, this episode as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I too like to live dangerously. Um, I don't, by the way, I don't think that's a spoiler. I think everyone knows that Dunkley's like the far number one, but I mean, everything else is conjecture, right? <laughs> everything else is conjecture, unless you think someone's going absolutely big. But um, Chris, uh, obviously here today. Hi, Chris. Uh, no Good Swizz up. today. Swizz has a few family commitments and such. On at this current point in time, but I believe he might be joining us for some other segments. Um, Chris, do I dare ask what everyone's averaging in your forward line this this time around? I'll, I'll give you a range. How does that sound? So sounds I've got, wonderful. No, no, it's it's not that bad. I've got from ninety six to one twenty. That's that's not bad, right? That's that's pretty good. And there's a big gap between one and two. So I suppose it was ninety six to one ten, and then. I've put 120 on Dunkley, but honestly, I think he probably goes 130 to be completely honest. So I don't, you know, 120 is conservative. That's <laughs> my new approach. So the highest averaging player overall then pretty much is what you're saying? Yeah, I am. I, I definitely think that um, Dunkley will average the highest this year in Supercoach. I think that's, um, yeah, I don't really need to elaborate at this point. We'll go into that later. How does that sound? Sounds wonderful. All right, let's get straight in top 10. This is going to be a little bit hairy, I think, from 10 to 6. But DR, who comes in at your 10th highest averaging forward? Look, to be honest, mate, it was like throw the dart at the board because there's so many blokes that are running through here for me. But look, in the end, I've gone with a bit of a key forward, the only key forward you'll see on this list, and that's Jeremy Cameron. So, look, I hate selecting key forwards. I think he's probably, as I said, borderline that top 10. He should go around 90 like he did last year. He regularly hit the scoreboard, obviously plays for a top team in Geelong. So I think he'll get enough of it. Uh, should, should have a few nice spike scores, I think. And then obviously a few lower dud type scores, which is just the life of a key forward. But look, when it's all said and done, I think he'll just be around the mark, mate. Okay. Yeah, I think, look, I, I haven't got him in my 10, but only because he was literally just outside. Um, I have him averaging around about 95, so a little bit actually higher than you, but my my top 10 starts at 96. But I do have about four or five guys that are about that 95 level. There's quite a few that would fit in that mold. And obviously, so with Cameron, he scores well when he's forward. He scores well in the midfield, but because when he is forward, sometimes you just have that dud game. It's just not going to mean that he's going to be able to be consistently high. Um, which is why obviously I've just dropped him slightly out. But look, I think if you 
if you were loving, you loved Geelong and you love Jeremy Cameron and that's what you want to go with, then then great. Like, you know, I'm not against that. I think there's obviously a lot better options in the forward line, but um, yeah, he's not, he's not going to be terrible. That's for sure. See that sound that you're hearing, Chris? That's the Oscars where you keep rambling about shit no one cares about. They just create a sound <laughs> to like move you on. Is that no, what that actually, was? It's, I was actually starting up the music and the slow, when, slow music people, in the background. When Get people the talk Jeremy going. Cameron and they talk Geelong, everything just gets wet all of a sudden. Is that the thing where <laughs> we're going? That's exactly right. Um, all right, so I don't have him in my 10 either. I actually don't even have him. I have him a low 90, and he's probably sitting more around like 13th, 14th for me. So yeah, I've so got a, again, speculatives. Similar. Chris, what have you got for 10? Uh, your favorite bloke, mate, Dylan Moore, is coming in number 10 for me. So, <laughs> um, and look, you obviously, I don't know you scoff, but like it, you, you've been proven that you're like, okay, maybe if he does have a role, then he's kind of a good pick. Like you, you can concede that if he does get CBAs, throughout the season, he's going to score well. And like, just as an example, um, in the preseason match, he only actually got 43% time on ground, um, but scored 70 with a PPM of 1.27 with 0% CBA. So he doesn't necessarily even Bad role. need. Bad yeah. role. And you're trying to put him in your 10. Do you know, I actually spoke. I th- he spoke to the coach in the end of season <laughs> meeting and he was looking through, going through all the stats and he's gone, oh, hey, like, hey, I've got five CBAs here. I've got 10 CBAs here. And he's like, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> more? <laughs> Shut down. He said no, because fuck you, Dylan Moore, is what exactly I think happened. He'll be used at times through the midfield. I'm pretty confident that he will be. Like, he's too good to just sit in the forward line all year. Like, he's, he's far too good inside. Now, the thing with Hawthorne, obviously, is that they're developing their midfield. So are they willing to – do they want to win games or do they want to just develop these players? Like, because – because he's a winner. He's going to go in the midfield and completely change their dynamic and kick goals from midfield, set up from midfield and everything else. So I love him as an option there, but because of where Hawthorne are at, I don't think he gets the role that's going to be able to produce a top, um, like, yeah, 105, 110, like pickable numbers, especially at his price. But I still think he's going to go well enough to be valid. And I don't hate the, the, the pick from other people, but you just need to realize that there's going to be weeks when he's going to score 40 or 50. And then there's going to be weeks where he's going to you know, get a good role and go 120 plus. Like that is unfortunately the, the Dillmore roller coaster. So, what about you, Dr? What do you? Where you said that you were a little bit liking towards the Dillmore pick? Yeah, I went him at nine. I went him at mm. nine, just inside like the it. top ten. Uh, look, it, it's all about the role, isn't it? Unfortunately, he's just not going to find himself in too many CBAs, if any. So, uh, look, he was actually on the scrap heap a couple of years ago, close to actually yeah. being delisted. So. Congratulations to the man for, for coming back this far. He seems to have really red hot starts to the game and then tends to fade out. So if you compare his first half scores compared to his second half scores traditionally, yeah, he's not a great scorer, you know, towards the end of the game. Um, but look, anyone that's not playing, you know, at least a part-time midfield role is going to find it tough, I think, to, to average enough to warrant a spot in our sides, mate. Yeah, I agree. Uh, full disclosure, I don't hate him that much right now. He's a really good. No, no, no. As in, he's a, he's You're a, coming around already, Betty. He's a good. He's a good player. All right, but it's more. Hit the record for the YouTube. Once, one, once I hit. Well, once I made that bet with Swizz, um, he's destined to cop my wrath, and that's just pretty much. That's just pretty much where we stand with that. So. I love it. That's the music to stop talking about Dylan Moore. 
<laughs> okay, number ten for me is uh, again a little bit speculative, and I'm going with Zach Bailey, uh, the old Brisbane boy. Ooh, if there's wow. someone who's primed now, I'm not my scope's not as high as Chris, and I think he won't be relevant because of all the DPPs coming in to kick him out of that. But you know, if there's someone who's actually looking to be that X factor dynamic player, getting inside that Brisbane midfield in that little bit of a, a chop out sort of role. I expect Brisbane to win a lot of games, which means a lot of the pie there. And I think he's someone, he's kind of in that scope now in that age group where he could really take that next step. And I see him hitting that sort of low to mid nineties, optimistically, obviously. And again, at this point, it's a bit of a raffle where I'm looking at it going, well, do I want Bolton to kind of get into the top 10 or do I want Zach Bailey to kind of flourish and show that potential? And when it comes to the the coin flip, I was like, stuff you Bolton, you hurt me two years ago. So Bailey, you can have a... (laughs) He can debut in a top 10 for me. Oh, talk, talking about irrelevant forwards, mate. I thought you were going to talk about Cam Rayner, but, you know, just, just <laughs> <laughs> Zach Bailey, hey? Just, just throwing out another one there. There's yeah, so yeah. many irrelevant players at Brisbane, right, guys? Well, again, anything <laughs> outside the top six are nearly irrelevant, to be honest. So throw, throw <laughs> a bit of airtime to my – yeah, throw a bit of yeah, airtime to my boy. Well, I was actually huge on him last year because there was all the talk of all the Zach Bailey midfield time and and you'd, we've seen the scores, right? He's got a huge ceiling. We know what he can do, but the roles just never arrived. And then obviously with the arrival of you know, Dunkley, that you know, midfield time has been shrunk up um, and they look to be going with the big three um, out of the midfield, which is obviously going to be Neil, Dunkley and McCluggage. Um, he'll have about 50%. Um, I'll be interested to see how they sort of weigh up that sort of fourth midfield rotation, what they're going to do with that. Um, is Jared Lyons ever going to be a, a first-team player? Like, there's some questions that are still sort of left a little bit on the edge here with Brisbane um, for that sort of fourth, fifth mid-spot, but I don't think Bailey's getting there, unfortunately. I think he's too valuable to them forward. And um, I think not, you know, low 90s is something that he could do, yeah, sure, but he's not going to be, you know, shooting the lights out, unfortunately, in, in averages, in my opinion. Agreed. Interesting. Um, pick nine, DR. Who have you got? Well, pick nine, I actually had uh, our friend or your friend, Ben, Dylan Moore. Oh, yes. Uh, at number nine for me. So I think I can pass Sorry, that along uh, unless you want to play the music before I do no, that. No, <laughs> and you no, are we can correct. Go back. Did you oh, know no. that in the preseason game? <laughs> no. Let's, let's not go no, back and live in PPM. that time. No, I talked um, about his 1.27 PPM. Do you know who else has a 1.27 PPM? Rory Laird, just so you know. Just, just in case you're one. Oh, there we go. Rory Ledlands now. I am I <laughs> am completely at fault in here. And you know why? Because I switched out. The second you started you talking did. about him, I just I'm looking over here, trying to find the cue music. And I was like, I do not care. And then next minute I re-ask you and, and um, prompt that conversation again. Chris, who's your number nine, dare I ask? Uh look, I just got Isaac Heaney. I mean, I think Isaac Heaney on a um on a badge is still gonna average you close to hundred. Um we, the thing with Heaney is he's never going to explode because the, the, the role's not there. He actually scores better as a four, but that does obviously limit his scoring as well. And we've seen that he goes on these patches where he goes 130 every week for four or five weeks, and then he drops to 50s every week for four or five weeks. And that's just the that's the life of Isaac Heaney as a forward, um, unfortunately. And he, that mid-time is now completely, I think, gone. I, I, I think that they should agree that he's way more valuable to them in the forward 50. And they have enough midfielders that they don't need him there. I think he'll still get a chop out here and there, but he's not going to be a, a permanent mid anymore. Um, now with Papley in there, now with obviously Errol Goulden going in there, um, Robottom stepped up. You know, they, they just don't really need him going through that midfield. So 
Um, yeah, I think that you know, I've got him as listed as about a 97 average, which is slightly below last year. Um, but he's still going to be in that conversation. I think you can't really ignore him. Ouch. I've got him a little bit higher. I've got him at seventh. Um, okay. Again, just for the, you know, I know he, he lost his CBAs a little bit um, in the practice match, but he wasn't getting a whole heap of it last year. So, uh, again, I just kind of expect him to hover around that point. And I'm not starting him because, I'm again, I think there's probably better options and better value. So, look, I like what he does. I like the what he provides for Sydney. And, um, yeah, just around that 100 mark, I guess, consistency being the issue. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's a good segue into number eight because he's actually my number eight, Isaac Heaney. So (laughs) I traded him out for English last year and it absolutely burnt me. English went on this downhill spiral. Heaney, I think, scored three tons in a row. It was an absolute killer. Look, decent ceiling, bit of a low floor at times, scored 81 in the pracky match, 13 touches, but didn't have his kicking boots on, only kicked the one three. So may have even left a ton at the door there, I think. And he's one of those plays, you know, he could be on like 45 at three-quarter time, and all of a sudden a couple of goals bang. and assists here and there, and bang, he's almost on three figures already. And uh, it can be frustrating at times when you're looking at these scores, <laughs> you look at the scaling, and he and he's reached the ton somehow, and he's done absolutely <laughs> bugger all, it seems. So, yeah, certainly one of uh, Champion Data's love children, I think, similar to almost like a Bont. But, uh, yeah, I don't think I'd realistically look to start him because I, I, I just want players with that midfield role. Yeah, I think we'd love in a in a perfect world we'd love him to have those dud scores just before their buy, and then yes. he'd be like four fifty k, and you'd be like, this is got to be the perfect back end f six or even maybe an f seven. Yeah, is he forward mid this year or is, is he still just forward? Is he He's forward? Just forward. Uh, I think he might be. I got him yeah, so cheap yeah. last year, and I kind of I was like, do I want to use my last trade? to get in Heaney at a real low price from a DPP. And it was, I had to do it that week because otherwise he was going to get priced out or the person I was going to trade to him would have dropped cash. And lucky I did. Cause I think there's a week where um, like say Brody went really low and I was like, okay, well I'll just avoid that 60 and Heaney can get on the field and then bang a hundred. And then I just kept loopholing hundred, hundred, hundred <laughs> and um, pretty much helped me finish the year very strongly in the end. Um, uh, yeah, I think, what I love about Heaney is what is as a non-owner, you're sort of really rooting against him. And as an owner, you're just like waiting for him to just, that ball into the 50, you're like, where's that beautiful blonde hair? Where is it? Where is it? And he flies out of nowhere with his beautiful hands. Um, but there is nothing more frustrating as a non-owner than watch him go huge. I, I, I've seen it like when you had, you had Heaney last year, buddy, in the, at the start of the year, did you? Or I remember... Yeah. Yes. A lot of people were like on him when he was going big. And I was just like, man, what end? End already. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, and the, the painful thing is like, you're like, oh, do I trade him in? And you can't because his role was still shit, but he was scoring so well. So I'm like, well, if I trade him in, he's just, I'm going to get a 50. I guarantee it. Every, like, I'm going to trade him in for 600K and I'm going to get a 50, like, guaranteed. And so I, I, traded I think people him did do that. The round, I think they played St. Kilda and he did get a 50 or whatever. Oh, it, was. Um, <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. And that, that is just the life of the Heaney train, guys. So one of, I would say that part of the appeal to having him is just watching him play because he is obviously a brilliant footballer. And so part of me as just a, an avid football watcher just wants to get him just because he's a fantastic footballer. But obviously the, the head says, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> don't do that to yourself. You don't want to Something's be on that ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that's um, your nine, Chris. I think my nine now. Because you had yeah, him yeah, there, yep. which was DR's eight. Um, I have Darcy Cameron at my number nine. Ooh, okay. Uh, more optimistically hoping, I guess, he gets that role and he's fit enough to kind of, you know, knock Cox out of the equation a little bit. Uh, cock block him, if you will. And... Um, <laughs> And do well. Uh, I was saying not cocks out of the way. That's Did you have that written down as like cock block joke winner? <laughs> well, I said knock him out of the way. Um, and if he does do that, I think he can go sort of that 95 range. And for me, I think it's, I wasn't willing to put a key forward in there because most of the time it's forward mids or forwards that play a lot of midfield time that make it or um, ruck DPP. So I didn't really want to include a key forward and Dylan Moore, which left me a bit thin. Not going to lie. Um, eight for Chris. Um, just on Darcy, I did have him at 95 average Ooh. too. I just have a different range. Oh, right. Um, okay, but it's all going to depend on obviously Cox and what his role in the team is. Now, in my opinion, Cox is one or two bad games out of not being in the side. So it's a wait and see because if that happens where they go, just Darcy Cameron is at 80% Ruckman or similar and they're doing the mixed day chop out or similar, then I think he's kind of a must have. He's going to go 105 plus. So I think timing your run with someone like Darcy Cameron is important. Just keep an eye on it during the season. But is he a must start? Probably not. He's not going to hurt you, though, if you do have him. I think he's probably going to hover 90 anyway, regardless. But I think that on the games that he doesn't have Cox or, or a second Ruckman with him, that, that he'll go big and it'll be worth having. So have, have you considered um, Darcy in your team, buddy? Oh, absolutely. I was running with him for most of the preseason. Yeah, me It's too. just, you know, those injury niggles just put me off a little bit. And another thing I was slightly concerned about, particularly maybe at the start of the year, is given the fact he's had a bit of an interrupted preseason with the new sub rule, if they do look to get a big man off, uh, maybe if Cox is a little bit fitter at the moment, is it Cameron the one that comes off early? Long term, I think a fit Cameron certainly gets the nod 100%. But, uh, yeah, just with those injury niggles in the preseason, it did have me yeah, bring a few concerns up to me, mate, and uh, didn't quite go there in the end, paid up in, yeah. the, in the end. So uh, what I noticed last year, which is I think how they'll run it this year, um, is that they go in with the idea of, of Cameron being their sort of centre bounce ruck to, to begin with, right? He's going to be their number one. However, they'll evaluate it during the game and see who's getting the one up in the ruck. And if it's... If it's shifted to Cox and Cox is having the, his way with whoever the other Ruckman is, they will literally give him more Ruckman Ruck time as the game progresses and put Darcy forward more or vice versa. And that's what I was finding last year. So my worry is exactly what you said. There, there's a game where, you know, Darcy's not having a great time in the Ruck, but Cox is killing it. All right, well, we may as well just sub off Darcy at three-quarter time instead of subbing off Cox or whatever their initial plan is. And they are not afraid to be fluent with that. Whereas I know other teams may be, okay, this is our number one ruck and we're going to stick to that. I don't think that they make that decision before the game day. They go, okay, we've got two ruckmen. We're going to start with Darcy, but we're completely open to how their roles are going to evolve. And that that's how they were, especially towards the end of the last year, which is why a lot of his scores were suffering because Cox was taking, you know, majority of ruck contests around the ground instead of um, Darcy Cameron. So, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. But again, if Cox ends up not in the team, that theory goes completely out the window and you've got to reevaluate. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sounds Do we have that good. music again, buddy? Or, or No, no, you can. You can. <laughs> ben doesn't mind talking about uh, 
Cox and Cameron. So <laughs> yeah, that's classic Ben not minding about talking about Cox. I get it. No. <laughs> that makes sense. The only problem with Darcy Cameron is his two first names, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, so what are we up to? Are you seven? Uh, or who's on, a, on, you got seven? Because have you done eight? No, I gave you're my eight. eight, which was Heaney. So yeah. uh, oh, yeah. we've already which discussed him. So I think it might be Chris for eight, is it? Yeah, so again, yeah, it is actually. So um, I have uh, Jack Zebel at number eight, boys. Um, <laughs> so if you said Bailey was bad, it was <laughs> like, uh, oh, look, sorry, I forgot. 2020 stats, my apologies. But it's 2021, buddy. It's not even the COVID year, all right? So calm, calm, calm it down, all right? So what you're saying is it's an eclipse. Either way, I get the year wrong. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 20, I think it was 21 game sample size where he averaged 107 in the forward line. I think that's pretty good. Um, actually, sorry, in the, in, the, in the defense line as a forward in Supercoach. I mean, you know, was that is that pretty good? Like, I don't know. Where would that put somewhere in the rank of top forwards this year? Man, yeah, I don't can, know. You tell me. And then, and then this year he'll come dead last. Yeah, but he had a great year though. <laughs> Did it go Did in? Did it go rest? in? Did it go in? Was that good? Oh, uh, look, North are still going to get spanked. They're shit. They are con- completely terrible. Their back line's a little bit in shambles at the moment. Um, he seems to be the only one that's uh, not injured right now in the back line. Um, did you see Tarrant? So Tarrant Thomas returned to the VFL, then like did an ankle and he's, he's clearly not playing round one. I heard um, very unfit too, Taron Thomas. Yeah. Not so, AFL ready, I heard. And Aaron, Aaron Hall, I don't think is going to be ready for round one either. So he's going to be the main distributor early and it's just going to be this like same old, same old. Yeah. Yeah. In a game where uh, uh, the Bulldogs had 1,912 super coach to 1,300 or something stupid. He was slide. the second, yeah, second top player with only 15 disposals, but 13 kicks and shared the kick out. So he's not going to get a hundred, like he's not going to get majority kickouts like he did, which is why I think I actually have him averaging about 98. So not 107, but 98. I think there's going to be weeks where he's going to go 121, 30, bro. Like I'm not even joking. And you're going to be like, shit. And you're going to be that guy that goes, oh, I hate those guys that got onto Jack Zebel at 349K. That's what's going to happen. And people are going, nice. and I'm going to be like, <laughs> well, what, what do you think he's mean? averaging? What do you think he's averaging? About 98. Okay, so you got 98 problems, but a top 10 ain't one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just doing, you're really? on the, uh, he spent way too long on TikTok today and he's just doing these little TikTok shorts to make himself funny. <laughs> Good one. Uh, see, the difference is previously Zebel would kick the ball to someone else who would then butcher it and it would come back to Zebel. That's why You, you seem so to think that North are somewhat better and they're not going to do that. Like they are terrible, terrible. The only thing that's changed is that what well, is what Clarkson, and we really, really haven't seen what what his coaching style and philosophy, especially from defense, is going to be like. But trust me, mate, when they're getting pumped by ten goals, and he's got and Clarkson's in the coaching box saying, "Can we just control the ball in the back line for a little bit?" You're going to see junk times evil at his absolute best, and then you're going to be like, "Damn you, Mister Far!" That's what you're going to be like. <laughs> No way. They'll say, Archer, Goda, just go and have a go. <laughs> go oh, and just get some pill. Get some pill. No, look, I think it's definitely possible he does well, but, you know, 98. <laughs> oh. it's, it's a, that's a nine-point reduction on his previous average in that same position. Yeah. And now he's like, <laughs> what, 38? <laughs> anyway, um, do you have like Zebel anywhere near your top 10, do you? I had him in the mix for that 10th spot, so it was out of – like a Cameron Azebel type, uh, even a, a Bruin type. I, I was contemplating because I was getting desperate around the mark. But uh, 
Look, I was he actually did make his way into my side when news came through that uh, he was looking to go down back again. But I just think there are a few blokes where I can say around 30K that I'd probably prefer to have. And when I say prefer to have, look, maybe if I had the extra money, I'd go up to Jay-Z. But uh, no, not not really my plans. But I, I think there's a world where he, he can be around the top 10. I don't think it's going to be 107. I'd say between an 80 and a 90 would be my personal prediction for him anyway. So what you're saying is he toyed, you toyed with the idea of ham, having him in your top 10, but then better judgment is what you went with. <laughs> and you went, you know what? He's that bad. We're going with a key forward. We're not I don't normally use... do this, but Zeebo, nah, key so forward. So what he did was we're not going to use historical data to represent a case. We're going to use a best <laughs> guesstimate. And then oh. we're going to go from there. Chris, I that's, swear that's to God. Good. That's fine, guys. I get it. I get it. Don't worry about it. Good. The way you justified, you use this in like your bedroom. Curry's going one thirty well again. It's fine. You, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> I use the full proof play. I do this. I do this, and then I do this. Like <laughs> you justify way too much. That's what I do. After <laughs> I, how else off? do you think? How you do turn you turn No. Do you turn it how, off? No. Okay. Poor Eliza. <laughs> how else am I supposed to own Twitter if I cannot justify my opinion on absolutely everything? <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, moving on. Um, okay, so you're number eight, buddy. I think seven. I think we're up to sevens. Yeah, you're eight. What was your eight? Uh, oh, my eight is Cunners. Um, oh, okay. Yep. Similar reasons. It's oh, look, I don't really like him that much, but he for me has the actual scope to get into that mid ninety sort of range, and that's pretty much where I had him. So he had, I think it was about twenty eight CBAs in North game there, and if he gets it together, and I think the more that he kind of plays throughout the season i think he will improve and um i think if you're getting that many cbas as a, a forward mid you know they play what west coast round one and is it hawks round three or something rather so he could just go bang bang and he's someone who i haven't i've kind of avoided putting him in my side but now you know if i don't start clary then all of a sudden i'm like okay well what can i do with those funds and then that would mean me possibly bringing him into my side yeah i mean i, I have I have Cunnington in my team, so he this is and and he's Ooh. my seven, so this sort of gives you that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had twenty seven disposals, sixty nine percent CBA, so he was actually second to LDU as their primary mid. I'm not sure that he gets sixty nine in the real season. I, I don't think that's realistic. But I also then think, well, if he's not going to get that in the real season, why are they giving him sixty nine percent CBAs in a practice match as a guy coming back into the system? That doesn't make sense. Um, so. I don't really know where I sit with it, but what I do know is, so from his score for his 27 disposals, he absolutely butchered the ball in the first quarter and was on a negative DT to SC ratio. I think it was like negative 20 or 25 in the first quarter. I think it was on nine super coach and 25 DT. So he was he was behind in terms of his score and he had zero tackles for the entire game. I don't remember wow. the last time I saw Cunners not have a tackle. So I just think that that was just like, I'm in a preseason game and I, I don't care. Yeah. Wasn't many um, marks or anything either. I don't think he no. was really pushing from. But he's still got 27 disposals. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, and then I looked. So what sells me more on the Cunners pick is looking at last year's uh, breakout guys. And there's not really any in that sort of 400 to 450K that I like outside of Cunners. Mm. And I think he just fits a lot of mold. Like, you know, guys like Hewitt last year or even Cripps at the 450 mark. Um, Sicily was just under 450. There really isn't anyone sort of you know, screaming that I'm going to be a top six option from those guys or, or 
around about the mark that's going to be a breakout that people are going to want to jump on, but they didn't. Um, and I think that he's, he's got the pedigree scoring power role to be able to do that. Um, at 420 is pretty low risk. And he's also a guy that if, say, Fife pumps out or um, Bruin goes ham or whatever, you can go quite easily down, bank the cash or, or put that in something else. Um, so, yeah, very comfortable with that pick. I've actually got him at F5, believe it or not, and Zeebel at F6. So I'm running a really stacked forward line um, and saving elsewhere in the park. So, yeah, it works. I don't, that's- I, I, I don't mind the exit strategy I was going to say there, mate, because starting that high price player, it's so easy to go down to a five for Bruin, whoever else you need to, if there's another mid-price that stands out. So I think that price point is a little bit awkward, but it's friendly in the fact that it does give you a pretty easy exit exit strategy if you need it early on, mate. And he's actually my seven as well, you know. Oh, uh, nice. 102, 102.3, 108.7 from 2019 to 2021. He's, I wouldn't say premium. They're not premium midfield numbers of the past, no. but being able to be selected as a forward at the price, they're certainly premium numbers. I'm not saying he'll go back to that. Um, look, I reckon this bloke, if he played country football, he'd kick 150 goals. As a forward, <laughs> I think he's just you got can't get an arm win. around him. The guy's yeah, like, you know, <laughs> just unstoppable. He'll, he'll be, you know, in the country. I think, and I reckon that's where he'll end up. And uh, you know, I can imagine him just dominating, getting on the tinnies afterwards. You know, yes. with the local lads, and that uh, just Absolutely. seems like that sort of a bloke. Sma- so, uh, smash one liter of milk as well. <laughs> to, um, <laughs> match that GWS guy. He's like, oh no, milk farmer. Like, let's go Crazy. get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting. So I guess with, I guess, Cunnington, so are you running fairly deep in your forward line? Me? DR or are you? No, oh, DR. Yeah. I know you are. You, are, you got Zebel at F6, Chris, so we yeah. know what you're thinking. Um, are you- Originally I was, but I'm only going the three keepers at the moment. There's been a bit of a late change to my structure and I've just got an extra premium mid in, mate. So uh, I've been going four for basically most of the preseason, but just cut that down to uh, – to the three at this stage. Yeah, there's definitely nice. a lot of flexibility. And I think a lot of teams are fairly similar, either running like one type or another type or a bit of a blend in between. <laughs> it's funny, I just had someone comment like, oh, such a vanilla team. And I'm like, well, yeah, you pick the best premiums, you pick the best rookies and you pick the best mid prices. Like, what the fuck do you want from me? The, the teams <laughs> no. are vanilla said, because guys like DR and Supercoach Insider and all these teams have- Talk yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> put all of the research in and then all these people follow us and then like- I'm sorry. Those like, that watch and listen get a lot of yeah. similar stuff, whereas you get the, the casual player aren't going to be picking you know, a green or all these other types as well. I said, that's fine, mate. It's vanilla. I said, but guess what? During the season, I'm going to add some chocolate topping. I'm going to add some nuts. I'm going to add some freckles. That's I said, right. then, then and it'll probably get probably some more. cocks as well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what you wash it all down with, Chris. <laughs> oh, oh, what Not is going on? Oh, um, it right, so, comes and it goes to shit. <laughs> Hey, the innuendo, it's safe. Um, Okay, so what are we up to? So that was your seven. That was Chris. That was your That was my seven as well. So does that mean we're up to my – no, we're up to DR's six, is it? Uh, What was your seven, Benny? Uh, My seven was Heaney's. That's already been – Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Already done. Off the board. All right, so my six – yeah, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, boys, but uh, I've got Zach Butters at six, so – 96.2 96.2 last year, career-high games last year, which is also good. Decent CBA rate for the first half of the season. That dropped off a little bit. I've got a feeling 
that JHF may slightly impact him this season and his CBA rate. But we know that Bogues obviously out of that midfield now. There are some minutes up for grabs. Look, this is my main concern with, with Zach Butters. And I love watching this bloke, but he's just got such a kamikaze style of game that mm. every contest he goes into, he's only a little fella. I just almost put my hands over my eyes and it's that durability concern. I know he played the 20 last year, but it just seems pretty unlikely to me that he's going to go close to playing 2023, uh, sorry, 23 games this year. So love him as a player. I think he's got all the tools to do well, but that durability just slightly scares me off, which is why he gets pushed down the order just a little bit for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But um, I mean, I have him slightly higher in my ranking. I've got him at five, but I mean, uh, he's probably of that sort of, you know, top four guys. I do have him as the last guy, um, unfortunately. Now, for exactly the reasons you said, there is some great stats, however, um, with Port that we actually went through on the Port podcast that he's out of those sort of top three guys, which we don't really know too much about JHF, but what we do know is he's playing a lot of CBAs at this stage. Um, he's the one that can have the, the biggest super coach score with the least amount of CBAs. So he probably only needs 30% to get a decent average out of it. Um, but I think there'll be games where he'll have zero. Yeah, I think that and that those games are the games that um, he can go 40 or he can go 140, depending on what his output is, because he's such a damaging forward. And that's how Port will use him, is that some weeks he'll he'll be in the rotation, other weeks he won't be, and it's going to be based on what they have available. And so for that reason, I do have him averaging a little bit less than what... I, I really had him about 110 at the start of the preseason. I, I was thinking, he's going to go crazy. I've sort of rounded him down to about that sort of 104, 105 mark. Um, but yeah, I think that he's just over that 100 barrier and he's going to be in the mix. So he's not a terrible guy, but also, yeah, body durability, et cetera. Uh, I don't know if I can I can do that. When there is other guys that are going to provide value for cheaper price, doesn't really make sense as, as a pick to me, but um, he's going to go all right. He's not going to be terrible. So yeah. What do you think about uh, Butters there, mate? Where you got him? I have him at six as well, DR. So I, similar we reasons- con- we didn't like organize this list ahead of time, by the way. Like this is all, <laughs> I feel like we're very, very close with pretty much everything except for Dylan Moore. So <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually thinking that I had, um, that I would be the weird one having Cunnington actually higher and whether you guys would even have him in your mix. So that was quite surprising to me. And um, yeah, obviously the Heaney factor, but all of us had him sort of sliding a little bit, but to different degrees. Um, and yeah, so for me, it's, I think he has the capability and scope to push you know, 100 and, you know, three to 105 or whatever as well. But it does come down to the a fitness, if he can keep his body running cherry ripe and also that CBA mix. Um, yeah, I think you were right because I think it was about 30 to 50% CBAs. He still went really yeah. well. Um, I still think he gets a bit of a shake. And for me, I think, yeah, it's just around that sort of 100 mark, I think, for Butters. So that's enough thinking on Butters. I think it's pretty much safe to say. So he was my six. Uh, Chris, who was your six then? If he was your five? Uh, I've got Goulden at six. Um, so obviously the, the, part of the reason why I'm selecting him, obviously over someone like Butters, is I do think that like really, I'm trying to be realistic with my expectation of him because I don't, he's not going to get 70% CBAs like he has over these two first preseason games. That, that, that's a fact. We, we know that's not going to happen. What do I realistically think that he gets? Somewhere between, say, I reckon 35 to 45%. I don't think it's going to be crazy or, or 50% or something like that. 
And so that's why I've sort of, you know, tempered my expectations. I do think that if he's goes to that, I'm a mainstay midfielder in that top three, then it's all hell breaks loose and he's he could go 110 plus. Like he's got the ability to. Part of his skills is his kick to handball ratios is like 2.4 and he's an absolutely like the, the laser beam of a kick. Um, but he knows how to find the ball, knows how to kick goals, he knows, knows how to position himself. Uh, we saw that in his rookie year coming out and just absolutely bust onto the scene. So the scoring potential and pedigree is there with the right role. He only had 10% CBAs last year. So yeah, with a rise to say 35 to 45%, I do see him raising his average up to that 100 plus mark, but I just don't see it as a absolute huge one because I just can't see him having that role that we want him to have. I think we're sort of all looking at it going, oh yeah, he's going to be the number one guy. I, I just, I don't think that that's realistic. So, so yeah, I've just tempered a little bit. I've got him at six. He's still in my team, by the way. Um, I think it's good value. It's also one that you want to be on um, just because if he does go crazy, you don't want to be the one left behind now because you think he's in like 33% of teams or something stupid now. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, do you guys have him in your, I assume he's in your top 10 surely at this, at this stage or. Yeah, I've got him at uh, number five, just ahead of butters, oh, yeah. just ahead of butters for me. Look, I don't currently have him in my side actually. Okay. Look, uh, very, very tempted by him, but uh, I've decided to go with a little bit of a, a different structure. Look, it's going to be really interesting to see the Mills impact. I don't think it's going to be so detrimental that he shouldn't be an okayish type selection. Um, look, one thing I haven't found too many people that actually agree with me on this, but I think there is actually a chance that he cops some fin attention in round two. I think that probably the initial plan is going to be to go to Warner. Yep. I don't know if they'll look to tag Mills. I don't know what they've done historically there, but with Mills, I think he's a harder player to, to, to tag, being that contested type beast. But I think Errol might be taggable. And even if the plan isn't to, to go with him at the start, if they go with Warner and Errol gets 10 possessions and kicks a goal in the first quarter, are they really just going to let him continue to roam free like that? I'm not too sure. After that 188, opposition teams are going to be all over Errol Goulden, I think. And I'm, I'm not saying he's going to cop a tag every week, but he'll certainly, I think, attract a really, really good defender, if not their best small defender. We've got Papley down there who may possibly take that. But uh, I think there are a few question marks still on the pick. And I think that some people may need to just temper their expectations. I still think he's going to be a solid selection. Um, you know, I've obviously got him in my, my top six forwards for the year. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we should expect too many more 188s, but super talented player. And I think that he'll get enough CBAs to get, yeah, just over that 100 mark, I think. Yeah, I yep. think he's looking at that sort of even 50%. CBR, I think, would be very realistic. Um, oh, 50% with Mills. would be in. Yeah, that, well, still like, enormous. He went from insane. Yeah. And then he's getting tagged. He's that absolute yeah. sad. 100% getting tagged. He's going to put up 150 in the first week and he's going to get tagged in round two. <laughs> but how good is that for Sydney though? And Sydney fans when you have, because it would have been Mills that would have been tagged previously. And I know he did nah. uh, and had some fairly quiet It'd games previously. Sure. But yeah, Warner's now come through as a really damaging midfielder type. So you try and shut him down. So I think it's kind of nice for Mills to now be able to actually have that freedom as a player. And Goulden as well. I think Hawks would actually kind of, shut him down even midway through quarter one if they didn't. I go, oh, we'll start with Warner next minute, halfway through the first. You know, Goulden's got six touches and a goal. They're like, oh, he's on fire and let's try and clamp him now. Um, For me, though, I 
didn't have him in my team reveal yesterday and he's someone that I would look to have into my team. And it's more of a case of if he goes 100 or around 100, I think you could back in another premium in another line ahead of him if you wanted to. So, you know, DR, if you wanted another midfielder and you would pretty much go, okay, well, it's my midfielder against Goulden and then it's not so bad. So then you wouldn't really get hurt out too much. They have the first buy as well. So if he's doing well, you could just pay up 520, 550 or whatever you need to do and get him after their buy is also a very good strategy. So for me, where it does hurt you though, is if he does come out and he, for me, I don't know, Chris, but he's, he seems very Petrarca-esque in, he just looks like he has it on a string and very damaging, mm. particularly forward of center. In his first year, he had three scores over 127 in his first year of AFL footy. Last year, he had four scores over 113. And that's with 10% CBAs. So when you actually put a player like that into the midfield where they can really do damage from CBAs forward of center, uh, he's someone that I believe if I don't start him, I might actually just go and he gets uh, like 110 average or something early on. And then I'm scratching my head going, why did I actually knock it on this guy because of that hurt factor? Yeah. And how many teams is he in guys? He's, I haven't got this sheet open right now, but yeah, he's, he's now no... Right? Yeah, it's now he's he's one of the highest owned forwards. Um, he's in more more teams than guys like Canelio, and I, I think uh, the only guys ahead of him are Dunkley and Taranto. I, I'm pretty sure. I think because even Rosie is in less teams than than uh, than Goulden. So yeah, huge hurt factor at the moment. I do, do concede where both of you guys are coming from in terms of not starting because there's valid strategy around that anyway. Um, he's also a guy that you could round three correct correct trade to him if you've got a player that you're sort of um holding there maybe you have Canelio he goes a couple of soft ones you go down to him um you, you bank 80k in round three after two big scores or whatever it may be maybe that there could be a strategy there as well like like I was saying you know with someone like a Cunners starting with the you know, higher price and then you can you know jump down if you need to mm-hmm. this similar tactic could apply so there are ways around you don't I don't think it's a must start we also just don't know the role. So we're all sort of jumping before we can really see some hard evidence of what role he actually does have. So I see the, the validity in, in not going that way. For me, part of the reason also that I have him in my, my side is price. And it just fits perfectly with what I've currently got. Um, but I can see if I do change that at some point, then I could change my entire structure forward and he might not be there. So um, yeah, I think also it's, it's valid on both you were raving about him. It's the best game of footy I've ever seen. Like just absolutely raving about him. Yeah, he was. You're trying to add like, oh, it's Price and it's the, you know, his, his have, role. If you but want really, dude, dude, go watch the game. You've got KO, go watch the game. Really? The Honestly? He's getting involved. Yeah, dude, he's in 40, just watch between the game. 40 to 50,000 teams at the moment. So I think he had the, a lot. There was so many times where he, not, he got involved multiple times in a in single chain. So he'd, he'd kick it, get the handball, receive handball over the top, receive the handball back for another kick into the forward line. Like I was just like, this guy just understands how to find the ball, Dacos-esque in that manner, where he just knows where to position himself to receive the ball to again to have another impact forward. And because he's such a good user, they always want to give it back to him. So it's like he has the best of both worlds. It's, it's insane. Chris, you, Chris, pick your audience, mate. It's ashcroft S. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, none of this Dacos Collingwood bias, right? No. Ashcroft is. 
pretty much told Dacos how to run it last year. Hey? And well, and so exactly what you were leading into, though. Obviously, Mitchell's already shown that he'll he's happy to doesn't care how young the player is or if it's a preseason game, he's happy to tag someone. Um, so if he sees him getting off the chain, he's going to go to him. So that is true. Um, compliment. Uh, so that was who was your fifth? Was it Dr? He was he was my sixth. He was DR's fifth, number yeah. five for me. Yeah, yeah, and number five for me too. So that's so pretty much Butters and Gordon pretty much the old flip flip. This one, yep. uh, I wonder it's going to be very similar as well. So what have we got for number four? This this I found really tough. So for me, they're a clear top four. I've gone with Stephen Cornelio. I've gone with Stephen Cornelio. So uh, post-Leon average was 111 from last year. Uh, absolutely killed me. Absolutely killed me. So I traded him out before that massive score, before I think he went in a tear for three weeks, end up trading him back into my side. So absolutely burnt from him last year, but looked okay without being outstanding in the cracker game. I think it was around 60% CBAs, but did cop a knock. Uh, only low 60s time on ground, so that CBA rate could have been a little bit higher. But for me, he's got a massive ceiling, which I really, really like. I think with, obviously, that we know what's happened in the GWS midfield now. Two guys have gone. Uh, does he spend a little bit more time in there? I'm not too sure. I think there was an interview with the GWS coaches, might have been an assistant coach, that said, look, we want to get him back to being an elite midfielder, but also he's got some really good tools up forward as well. So we also want to utilize those. So he I think was, he'll spend yep. definitely a mix between the midfield and the forward line. But uh, the other three blokes, for me anyway, probably just have a little bit more upside than uh, Cogs at this stage. But uh, I think he could be a solid selection in this side. But uh, yeah, it was tough to put him fourth. Could have been a little bit higher, but uh, that's where I've settled just for now, boys. Now, I, I have him at third, and I, don't, I think it's probably a, a splitting hair thing, but for the exact same reason, I don't see him going 111, which is where, obviously, that was his post, uh, postly on average. So, um, And for that exact same reason, of the three guys, who Tom Green, Kelly, and Canelio, they've flagged him as the guy that's going to be the bit part forward, and the other two guys are going to be mainstay midfielders. So that's going to reduce his output somewhat. Don't get me wrong, he's always been able to score as a four, which is why he'll spike games anyway um, and maintain it. But he's also going to have those lower games. So I was thinking, okay, he's the guy that's... This is why I actually don't have him in my team. So he's the one out of the big four I don't have. And it's because he's the guy that is also... Don't get me wrong, he's going to be able to price you out if he goes on a real hot streak. But he could also have you know three or four games sub 100 and be available to pick up you know, closer to 500K. Um, and he's the most expensive guys to start with. So it's like, well, where do you, yeah, you just sort of got to cross your fingers and hope. And I know that GWS have a great run at start. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard going and I won't have the cash to go up. So he's a guy that I'm sort of really, really well, hoping. Well, down, going, Cunnington up, problem solved in two trades, Chris. Nah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and, and, I think I agree with you in, I actually have him at third as well. And the reason being is that that high scoring, high impact, good role. And he's in third ahead of fourth, simply because he, we talk about that impact. He has better disposal and better impact than my fourth ranked player, which should give Chris a good understanding. Cause I think Chris has the exact same based on yeah. disposal. Cogs is third and the other guy fourth. Yeah. So my fourth is Toronto. So I assume yep. that that's yours. And Yep. Um, I've got him at uh, uh, around about 106 average is what I see. He's going to be somewhere between 105 to 110. So I had an argument with a guy on, 
I, I love arguing on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. You tried to argue me, remember? And I, I yeah. didn't take that bet. I put it on Twitter <laughs> and I said, does he average over 105? And literally it came out 50-50. And I was just like, well, what can I do with that? I don't know what like, to do with that. You know, he's, he's a guy that can, he's, he's one of those guys that can struggle to turn up with 30 disposals. And even like last week, he had 33 touches and eight marks for only 122. It's like, that's not normal. Like, <laughs> like if, if, you know, uh, Clayton Oliver had that, or if Jack McRae had that, or if, you know, uh, Rory Laird had 33 and eight, eight, eight marks, like they'd be on 140, 150. Like it's, they're not on the same level in terms of midfielder. And uh, there's a few other concerns that I have personally with him, but I mean, part of the reason why I have him is the stupidly high ownership. I don't think he's going to price anyone out. I think he's always going to be available somewhere between say 500 to 550K. He's going to drop a 60 score. He, he just does that because he has bad games where even though he's getting the pill, he's turned the ball over 10 times in the game and it's just not working for him. Um, I've owned Taranto, I reckon, three of the past four years, every time thinking this is going to be his year and every time he's just completely fallen. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of a difference now, so um, he's going to be a primary midfielder. But even I think he only had 65% CBAs. I was thinking that that was going to be closer to 70 to 80%. So that's a that's my first concern. Second concern is Ruck, Ruck, Richmond Ruck Contest. They uh, averaged over the last four years. Basically, since they're, since 2018, they've averaged the second lowest Ruck Contest per game across the entire competition. So GWS, can, can, uh, conversely, have averaged in the top four those in those entire years. So he's had this run where, yes, he's had less mid-time, but he's probably had equal amount of Ruck Contest because it was like, 15 to 20 less contests per game. That's a lot of ruck contests. Now, how much does that impact scoring when you're a contested midfielder? I, I can't tell you that, but it worries me. It worries me to the point where he's not going 110 plus. Like, I I can't see that. That does not a figure that in my head makes any sense. So for that reason, yeah, I think he's 105 to 110. Still good value at 500K, but he's not going to, you know, break the lights out in my opinion. So... That's um that's my Taranto rent, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and I'm also <laughs> happy to get on Taranto because it'll be the last year you'll get him as a forward. I think you know next yeah. year he'll be a midfielder, so yep. it's you might as well get him while you can. And the same could almost be said for Nick Dacos, where maybe next year he's a full time mid. You never know, and especially for Taranto, yeah, I've got him at 100 plus. So I think we're all kind of in agreement that he is definitely in that top four mix. So that's my four. That's my three, and I think yours was the flip dr, was it? So he was your third Taranto. He he was my third. He was my okay. third. Yeah. Look and look. It's only a small sample size, but over six games in 2021, when he had more than 60 percent CBAs, he did average 113. So look, I agree with with, with you guys. I think Chris, you said uh, around 105 to 110. I think that's probably where he sits for me. And the only reason why I had him just slightly ahead of Cogs um, was that I expect him to attend some more CBAs uh, in more of a midfield role, I think. But, uh, look, it's it's a very, very close call. And uh, it was Cogs-Taranto, Cogs-Taranto. That's just where I landed uh, in the end. Yeah. Interesting. So that means our one-two is the exact same. Pretty much, I think. Anyone that's done the elimination game and um, very interesting. I actually listened back to the commentary, I think, today, DR, on the um, the draft that we all did. And um, yes, I think you I went early, picked, didn't you? Pick eight. Well, because Dunkley was gone. And ideally, I was like, well, really, it was going to be Mills and then should have been Rosie. But I went Rosie, I think, pick eight just because all the forwards disappeared. And I think it took people a little while to realize that all the forwards disappeared because I think I got Rosie, Mills, and then it came back. And then I was like, okay, and then I got Goulden and, um, and Butters. 
So pretty much three out of the six that we needed were forwards. And then all of a sudden you get a few <laughs> rounds in and then the comments start to come out. They're like, holy shit, there's no forwards. <laughs> like, who are you getting? Who are you, who are you going? And they're like, oh, like Tex it Walker. Or, oh, like, yeah, yeah, struggle town. And then meanwhile, I was able to, you know, get back in that draft and get these defenders that are averaging 95 or whatever while everyone's trying to pick off 80-odd 80, 80 forwards or getting <laughs> desperate. I think I saw someone like, oh, it was so early. Like, oh, oh I need to make a change and be desperate. And it was like, oh, going brawn or, or all these sort of speculatives um, from, <laughs> from the draft year. So. Yes, uh, Rosie, ladies and gentlemen, is the one we're talking about. Connor Rosie, upside I think is huge, very silky, Bontempelli-esque where I think when he gets on a game, he just has that real high ceiling already. Three scores over 150 last year. We looked at the, the stats as well when he did get, I think it was over that, was it 40 to 50% CBAs? He just went absolutely huge. Yeah. And um, and even then, those that are actually a little bit off-put by Butters and um, Rosie together, I think it was their last six games that they both had over, I think it was 50% CBAs. They combined average was like 113 and a half. So they both did really well together as well when they had those CBAs in the back end of that year. And yeah, I just think the upside's there. He looks good as well. Went overseas during the off season and thought, well, Trav Boak just, you know, having the bloody um, Charlie Sheen, you know, Venom or whatever he's going on. And um yeah, just trained with Boke and trained with, I think it was a couple others like, um, you know, Dersma or someone rather. So went over and did the whole Boke training course in America. So he comes back and you just look at him. He just looks fit. He looks primed. He looks ready. And just that X factor with that high ceiling, I just think it's absolutely outstanding as far as a prospect to go 105 plus this year. Yeah. Absolutely agree. And I think he's probably top 10 player in the comp for potential I think I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this guy. And got to remember to start off the season last year, I think he only averaged about 12% CBAs over the first five weeks, only for a 59 average year. So had 107 average post buy. So that's real positive. So I think for me, there's actually a little bit of meat on the bone here, particularly due to that really slow start. I think it's, it's really his midfield now. He's such a talented type player. He can rest up forward, still have an impact there when he needs to. I think it was on the weekend, was it something like... 80% CBAs yeah. or, or yeah, something huge. ridiculous like that. That's massive. So uh, if I was Kenny Hinckley, I'd want him there right in the guts. X-Factor, you know, he's tough, quick, damaging, just got all, all, all the skills and all the tools to be, uh, yeah, obviously one of the best players in the comp for me. So, uh, yeah, pretty easy number two. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right. And, I mean, the stats that we produced were like, okay, he can go 110 plus as I think it was like over 53%. CBAs on, on games that he did that he he averaged over 110 now and there was a lot over a large sample size I think it was like 14 games or something stupid so um that the range of error there you got 30% CBAs based on what we've seen now I don't think he's going to go 80% so but I was initially at the start of the preseason I was like oh look with JHF coming in and they've got Wines and they've got Boak and they've got Drew and they've got um, you know, Rioli was playing midfield at the back end of his career at West Coast. You know, he's come in. Um, what about Sin? What about Dersma? Are they playing wing? Are they playing a little bit inside? Um, Jackson Mead. I, I was really worried about the, this mid split. So to have him go 80% just gives me this massive range of confidence going, okay, well, he's going to get 50. Like, I think that that's pretty yeah, much a given. Yeah. Like, worst case scenario is 50 at this point. So the upside from that is we don't really know. We, and we haven't seen, but it's such a safe pick. So 
yeah, I, I think he should be arguably the second most popular forward at his price as well. Like I don't, I can't see a negative really. Like I don't, I don't see a negative. I mean, I might be completely rose colored glasses. So just a little bit of caution there, but yeah. Just, oh, puns don't look it. good on you, Chris. Um, <laughs> I I will have to I will say though so my one thing with Rosie as well I was burnt by him I went super early I actually had him in my team two years ago as a forward and he completely I think he would average like forty five in the first three games or something stupid like it was terrible completely killed me and then so I've I've been off Rosie ever since and now I'm like nah got to get him back when did so, he uh, hurt his ankle was it last season or the season before going it was in? the season before he he was tipped for more okay. midfield time um and then he hurt it I think in the practice match or something like that. But there was no report about it. Like it was like, and then he was carrying it like the whole year and it was a foot sprain or, or midfoot sprain or something like that. And they basically just sat him forward for the whole year instead of playing him through the midfield. So, yeah. yeah. And I think the good thing to know as well is that Port did lose those first opening, was it five rounds or whatever it was last year? And then they get, oh, we actually need to change something up. And it was, you know, Rosie and Butters and that different dynamic in the midfield that actually made them look dangerous and more dynamic. Now, Ollie Wines can't play anywhere else. So he still keeps his role in there. I think Boak definitely can play somewhere else, which is where we'll see um, also a good segue. Shout out probably for a top 10, possibly forward if he gets enough CBAs um, for me. He just keeps keeping on. And um, they they need to have Rosie. They need to have Butters. And I think even Horn Francis as a different, like an explosive mid sort of type with a big sort of body is kind of help, maybe try to help uh, Butters from himself. Because... Butters wishes he had Horn Francis's body. I mean, let's Doesn't put it that he? way. He's got <laughs> he's got the mentality. He's got the mentality of like um uh, was it Liam Picken? Oh no, what's the um what's the, the yeah dog's the dog's name? guy yeah 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 yeah. Picken. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the mentality of him. But you know, obviously Horn Francis just has the body for it. So it's like, hey, so you true. get in there and crash some bodies, and then that way Butters is like, yeah, I'll get the leftovers. Like I'm tough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to go a record here. JHF has half the talent of Jack Butters. There's no, I, I don't even bother comparing the two. I twice the amount, twice the talent, twice <laughs> the talent. He will yeah. never go get his. Like, yes. I don't. He's not going to play a role. If he's never been an accumulator. He's he's the reigner of this draft. I'm telling you, right no, now. He's a Patrick Dangerfield. No he's be- way. He will Dude, better than no Dacos is what they're ranking him as. What? Fact. Yeah. <laughs> even <laughs> still, you're just trying to wind me up. JHF yeah, is, has I've to be the most. I've got it in my phone saying that even last year I was I was said to go and hunt him in keeper leagues because you know the jury's still out and some believe he still will be better than Dacos and that's after in Dacos a, won. In a few years, what we're going to be seeing is a headline that reads something along the lines of Coke and tits next to his name. <laughs> it's not what. He's not Jack Watts. That's the equivalent number one. That's what it is. That's 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 that. <laughs> he's got a, he's going to be a two hundred game. All right, player. That's what he's going to be. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to tag Hank Corns into this. One. I need some support up in here. Oh, you've started need, the volcano. Ooh. I need some support up in here. Kane, help me out. Oh, I just I just don't see it. Hey, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the flog factor. He's just a super flog at the moment. But and look, Sisley was a flog and look what happened to him. Turned it completely around. So. Speaking um, of flogging the dead horse, let's get into our number one. And I'll give you the honesty, yeah, because you can talk about him as much as you like. Oh, this man, the 2023 Brownlow Medalist Recruit of the Year, Josh Dunkley. And in my opinion, I think someone may have mentioned this before, I think he could be the number one scorer this year in Supercoach. What a magnificent 
addition to the side. He was exactly what we needed, you know, that defensively-minded midfielder. And didn't he just do everything on the weekend? Hit the scoreboard, tackled, contested pill, got enough of it, shepherd for teammates, pressure acts. He just does absolutely everything. Now, he may not be getting those bonus hit-out points that he got at the dogs, <laughs> but look, that's all right with me. That's all right with me. Uh, we don't need him in the ruck. We've got uh, the big Owen Fort there. But, oh, look, just I, I cannot speak more highly of a player. He's the ultra-professional. We mentioned about Rosie going overseas last year. Dunkley does that most pre-seasons. You know, he's gone over with the Bontano a lot of the time and just a, a real professional, fit in really well at the club as well. Um, great culturally, a fantastic leader as well. So, Absolutely stoked, and he's clearly, clearly the D one. Uh, sorry, the F one, and the fact he's not in a hundred percent of sides. But I, I don't get it. I don't get. Well, it. he had to start running a lot more when he got to the Lions because those dogs were unfit, wasn't it? No, not, no appreciation <laughs> for running or had running in dig, humidity. Yeah, running in humidity. Dig. But meanwhile, when you look at the Lions, the you know you do have Sharp, who's like could have gone to the Olympics, I reckon for you know, like steeplechase or something or other. And then McCluggage and some of these other guys are, ex- and, you know, extremely, extremely fit lads. Um, so you kind of go from, you know, who was winning the dogs, time trials and everything like that. Do you know anyone that was like super, super fit at the dogs Ooh. as far as time trials? I, actually don't. I don't really remember. No, that's what I mean. I don't remember anyone sure. being outstanding. So maybe that's what he meant. Whereas before he was probably doing quite well as far as rankings with all the other guys in there. And then all of a sudden you get there and Sharp's like beating everyone by like 30 seconds. And you look at everyone else and, you know, McCluggage and Bailey and all these other runners, you're like, holy crap. And then probably even the humidity as well in the yeah. sun in Brisbane summer, he's there <laughs> ch- chugging down the oxygen like, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think he he's extremely sensational. And we saw him, what did he average, like 128? Or he averaged really high as a pure mid for the dogs a few years ago now. And Very close to 130, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's where I think the speculation comes into as him being the highest averaging player. Um, the one thing that we spoke, Chris and I, about in the, I think maybe the Brisbane Lions pod or even earlier in the year, is that he's similar to Neil in that he's a really good lead-up midfielder as well as that little chop-out kick to kind of, you know, you still want to keep moving forward and you're chopping off angles. So I think Neil and him will complement each other really well, but the difference is Dunkley's very tall. He's he's an active, he mobile, tall midfielder. So if you have someone who's a really good contestively, you know, minded, can tackle and the rest of it, finds those angles really well for these lead up options. And because he's taller, no one's chopping him. He's big, he's tall, he's strong, he's got good hands. So then you kind of those two are feeding off each other a little bit. And what we've noticed is after they kind of pick off a few angles, any opportunity they have, they're looking to go and they're looking to get on the other side of the opposition zone. So what you might actually get is him actually being part of some of these scoring chains as well, where they kind of chip, you know, um, like pick off a couple of angles and then all of a sudden then go. And he might get uh, on a few chains as well, I think. Yeah, I think also very important to have in your team purely from a VC or C option because there's going to be games where he's going to go 150 to 200. Like he'll, he'll hit a 200 this year, I reckon. Like he will. I, don't, I can't see him not doing that. Um, he's done. He's done it twice or once, and then very close, I believe. Or Maybe one a one ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so again, right role. He he's obviously got the ability to be able to go huge, and he's never had that right role until say now. Um, the best thing about him, though, from a Brisbane perspective, is ability to win his own ball. So he's not reliant on anybody else to pick up and rack the pill. His t- his his tackling and his inside contested work is as good as anyone else in the comp. 
Um, I liken it to guys like Paddy Cripps in terms of his inside ability, and like that's obviously saying something. Um, but that bigger body who can really body up against all those other big, bigger mids too, which means that he's going to be the guy that is going to be, if they don't win the, the tap and they're going towards him it, and the other Ruckman does, it's going to go to the guy that he's probably marking. It'll go to the Crips or the or Bont or whoever is that big, tall mid as that attacking midfielder coming through. So he's going to be around the ball and he's going to be able to shark taps as well. He's just going to... It's everything. It's everything. He does. He does everything in football really, really well. Um, I'm surprised that the dogs really let him go, and they just didn't see him as part of their mix. Um, <laughs> Triggered. Let him. Let him. <laughs> Ultimately, that's what they did, basically, because um, and basically let him to go for for you know peanuts, essentially. Well, because and the, li- the Lions earlier, had nothing. Yeah, Lions couldn't actually give them what they wanted, so it's really hard because it's like, hey, this player wants to go here, and they're like, wonderful, empty your pockets, and they're like, I'm empty. Um, yeah, so pockets to give, but well, yeah, I've got this bag of chips that I could give you. Would you like some of that? I cop so much abuse. Just but that's the downside. Supporter. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the downside of someone actually saying this is where they want to go. Because same thing with you know West Coast and Fremantle. It's like Jackson. He's like, I want to go Fremantle. It's like okay, but West Coast had pick two at the time. Or they were you know, like, it, didn't um, didn't the Bombers offer a pick six the year before or something? Yeah, like, they offered a, something like. It was a top ten yep. pick, right? Like, yeah. and me and you, me and you, Ben, were saying if he goes to the the, uh, the Dons, he will be the number one mid in the comp, and that yep. was there, you know, at the Dons. We all know how the, shit the Dons are, so he's he's going to be that at a top four club. Like, yeah, it's it's definitely going to oh. um, change things for Supercoach this year. So yeah, super good. Have uh, either of you seen the longest yard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, no. So um, Jared Lyons, right? Who is coming back from injury, right? And pretty much, I see Jared Lyons as Brucey, and <laughs> Uncle is Nelly because Brucey's like, oh damn it, now I'm never going to get a game. <laughs> <laughs> Dunkley comes into the club, and Jared Lyons is like, oh, like, damn it, now I'm never going to get a game. Oh, you got a feel for him and the beast as well, and the beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, I think yeah. I think as soon as the news came out, the beast was pretty much like I think a six pack deep. He's <laughs> just yeah. like, well, park footy at its best, um, bless him. <laughs> but no, that's 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 what happens when you bring such a quality footballer in, and um, they're going to be hard to beat. I think this year, hopefully. Yeah. Now I, I suppose we'll we'll roll off our top ten quickly, but um, and then we're going to have a, a little bit of a chat just on potential uh, forward. Uh, DPP players that could eventuate during the year and where we think we they will sit. Um, but DR, do you want to go through your top 10 from 1 to 10? So from 1 to 10, yeah, mate. So we had uh, Dunkley at 1, Rosie at 2, Taranto at 3, Cogs at 4, Errol at 5, Butters at 6, Cunners at 7, uh, Heaney at 8, Moore at 9, and Jezza Cameron at 10. Nice. Um, and I've got... Uh, Dunkley, Rosie, Canelio, uh, Taranto, Butters, Goulden, Cunnington, Zeeble, Heaney, and Dylan Moore. Ten. Very nice. And I've got Betty Dunkley, Rosie, Cogs, Taranto, Goulden, Butters, Heaney, um, Cunnington, Darcy Cameron, and Zach Bailey is for me. And uh, Swiss sent through his top six and he had Dunkley, Taranto in second off Richmond. Oh, Rose. that is Rosie third, uh, Canelio fourth, Goulden fifth, and Heaney sixth. He left Ooh. out his top four. And I'm just, I might just rattle off his um, other four, which are DPP as a nice, good and starting uh, talking point here is 
He's actually got Petrarca, Gorn, Bailey Smith, and Grundy uh, as people to watch for DPP. I'm going to throw Boke in that mix as well. Can you think of anyone else that might get DPP that could really push the top six on forwards? They were pretty much the blokes on my list. Yeah. I don't um, have anyone I, I else don't, that was not. I don't think... Uh, Grundy maybe as well, I should say. Yeah, I, I was going to mention Grundy. I don't even know if I'd look to select him because, yeah, he's competing with Max Gorn. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. Christian Petraka, I think, is pretty realistic, uh, given the fact he might be having a bit of a split with Cozzy Pickett. Uh, Boke, I think, should be pre- pretty realistic to get that early on. There's no one really else that, that's really standing out to me, to be quite well, one honest. That, eh? One that was mentioned last night was Mills, but that could be more defensive DPP. But then in the practice match, he was he played a large percentage forward. I don't know. I think Mills is staying midfield, though. I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Let's. I think it was more to see how defense sets up um, without him actually being anywhere near the equation. And... I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the start of the year. I'm with you guys on Grundy. I don't even think he's top six to ten as a forward. No, I think he's still averages low nineties anyway. So it's like yeah. Oh, so I mean, if Cameron if Cameron took a lot of it before and Grundy didn't do well, you know, when as a forward anyway, then he's not going to be kicking three goals each. And at least Gorn has other avenues to score. Now Gorn's the one that I was hoping would get DPP, and I have floated you know starting Gorn as my ruck as far as. You know, at least that way you, you, you know, if he gets DPP, then you know you're going to want him, right? So, but my big concern with him is, is if he part, he has some CBAs in defense, some CBAs in the ruck and some yeah. CBAs forward, then what are they going to do? They're not really going to put him in either He of needs those. 35%, right? So that's what I mean. I was thinking that too. I'm like, I don't know if that's such a good idea because I think that, yes, he does have less of a split, but I think it is, he's going to be thrown to center half back for stoppages and yep. then center half forward. And so- What's that going to look like? I don't know. And that's just like too scary. I don't want to be caught with a, a Gorn averaging, say, 100 as a as a pure ruck at 640K at best. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could like, be 15% I, just... defense, 25% forward, and then you're sort of like, okay, well, 60% ruck or whatever. Like yeah. Either way, he's not getting DPP if you split yeah, or... too many roles. So mm. yeah, that's my big it's concern with that. Too many questions for too much of a price. Like if he was 500K... Like Grundy oh, is, you know, easy. I'd I'd actually be like, well, I think you just can't, you just can take that risk. But yeah, interesting. Petrarca, I didn't really think about to be honest until now that you know, obviously it's mentioned. I'm like, well, with all the, you know, the articles and stuff coming about them, you know, splitting that a bit more and focusing on finals, and there is definitely a possibility he might get 35, percent particularly at the start of the year, because that's what happened last year. They won all these games in the front half, and then they burnt out and then struggled. So I expect them to kind of try and win games, but it'll be a little bit more shared in that first half of the season and then try and ramp up in the back end, which could be awesome for Supercoach. Like Gorn and Oliver and um, looking at Petraka in the back half of that year, the last eight could be very appealing. The thing with Petraka though, is he going to be a good enough scoring player if he does have 35% forward time? Like because, be. well, he, I mean, he, last year he went in patches where he just absolutely sucked. <laughs> Like, 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 I'm not sh- entirely sure that it's necessarily a good thing. Like, like, again, something you want to watch. One, I wouldn't start at all. I don't like no. with the intention of of getting forward time. If um, he's forward, how are you not putting him in your side? Any one of those forwards could have an absolute stinker in the forward line. Yeah, I mean, 
potentially. Except I for mean, Dunkley, of so, course, you know, the Brownlow winning medalist. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, so the, the problem is I don't have any direct stats on it, but obviously in um, 2020, which is we don't like to use stats from 2020 because the COVID year and guys that played you know, the right role with impact, obviously were inflated averages, but he averaged 117 there with 66% CBAs. And that was really this. Was that the first year that he really exploded onto the map? Because the previous year was 81 average. So yeah, I'd love yeah. to know what that split was, but in, in DFS, unfortunately, there's no CBAs from uh, 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know. So, yeah, what was the split like when he was averaging 81 is what I'd like to know. Like, mm. is that – and Not is he going to be – does that mean that he's going to still approach that sort of 100 to 105 or 110? Because then, then it, it means he's a good player. He's going to drop enough. I just don't know yet. It's just too many question marks for me. Interesting. I don't think Bailey Smith will probably get forward status. I think the best bets are one of those rocks and Petrarca and Boke for me. Yeah. Well, Bailey yeah. Bailey was what the third highest mid on the weekend on the weekend. So, um, Libar Bont and Bailey Smith were actually the preferred three inside with McRae yeah. only had fifty nine percent, so a little bit less. I don't know yeah, how how you read it. Again, you don't know with Bevo. He could he could be all of them could be forward. We could get Bont forward again. Like <laughs> who knows. <laughs> well, yeah, so, need yeah. them to rest forward early, but um, that's it from us. I think with the forward line, so a really comprehensive look, especially once we got out of the was it the eight or whenever Dylan Moore was, but um, some really <laughs> good insight there, particularly that top six. I think the one thing we can agree upon is the real big divide as far as that top sort of six caliber. And again, we're going to roll midfield, uh, so forwards that are eligible that have a large chunk of midfield time, or the rucks and the DPPs, which is pretty much where a lot of it comes down to. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know where you agree. Let Swizz know that Toronto is not going to be the second overall. And um, that's <laughs> it from us. We'll talk to you next time. DR, thanks again for coming on. And I'm um, glad that both of us were here to pop your cherry. Absolutely, <laughs> boys. It was uh, extremely enjoyable. And uh, we'd love to come on again at some stage. Thanks for having me, Legends. You're welcome, Alrighty, buddy. Thanks, thanks buddy. Alrighty, Thank you. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. Oh,